I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And then Matthew 1, 18 through 23. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may have your seats in the presence of the Lord. And so with that, we are starting a new sermon series for the next five weeks, Birthright, in which we're going to be talking about this week, prophecies and promises. And so this uh, season, when we're going to be, Advent season, we're going to be remembering Jesus. We're just going to be talking about what it really means to have that birthright to live into Jesus Christ. So with that, how many happy, had an incredible and happy Thanksgiving by a show of hands? That's a lot of hands. How many ate till you passed out? All right, awesome. Even better, even better. I will not do our absolved of the sin of gluttony for this weekend only as part of the Friday, Black Friday special. So um, speaking of Thanksgiving, there was um, a lady, because uh, when you're doing your sermon prep, the first place you always go is to social media. And so I found an article on Daily Mail, and the Daily Mail article said uh, this young lady had a Friendsgiving, and I had never heard of a Friendsgiving. And so maybe you guys have, but a uh, young lady, she was doing a Friendsgiving. She had about three weeks before Thanksgiving invited all of her friends. And her friends said, yeah, we would be excited to come. And so, you know, she started preparing her basement. She decorated it. She bought all of this food. She cooked all of this food. And she was preparing for her friends to come over. And she was super excited telling all of her, telling her boyfriend, yeah, my friends are coming over. This is going to be a great time. And he's like, yeah, this is awesome. And so she gets to the day, the day of Thanksgiving, 
and she's texting on the group chat that she created to let people know, hey, this is how we're going to keep in touch, to coordinate. And she's texting them like, hey, I got the food. I'm getting the food ready. I'm doing the minor final fixings, everything, and so forth. And she doesn't hear anything back. She's like, okay, they're probably busy, you know, hey, it's a very busy morning. And so she keeps cooking and she keeps preparing the food and the time is getting closer and she's still not hearing anything. Then at the time of the start time, she calls. She's like, hey, is anybody coming? But she's only getting the answer machine. She's getting disconnected, the phone. She's not reaching anybody whatsoever. So she waits an hour. Maybe they're just delayed. So she sits for an hour and she waits. Then another hour goes by and she waits. Then at the three-hour mark, she calls her boyfriend and says, uh, I don't think anybody's coming. And she's completely distraught. The boyfriend comes over. He tries to console her, but there's not anything he can do whatsoever. And so he posts a TikTok video just talking about this terrible incident, you know, My girlfriend did all this preparation. She did all of this work. She tried to, you know, um, was so excited for her friends to show up. And he tried to cheer her up, and there was nothing he could do to cheer her up. She was just crying because her friends had done this way. You know, she had just gotten kind of numb about it. And there was nothing he could do to cheer her up. Now, that's a pretty sad story. It makes you wonder, right? Why would people say something if they don't intend to do it? broken promises. And I thought about that. Why would people say something if they don't intend to do it? And we're not talking about, you know, you, you, you made a promise and something came up or you had every intention and you meant well and you called the person, but they didn't even call to say that we're not coming. They just completely ghosted her. And so the boyfriend just so you know that this has a happy ending, the boyfriend called his friends and said, hey, my girlfriend is putting together this Friendsgiving. Can you guys come over? And they said, man, we got you. We got you. We're going to come over. They brought food. They brought uh, all sorts of uh, goodies, and they had a great time, and the, the Thanksgiving was salvaged, and, and, the, and, and they posted a video after that saying that, hey, everything turned out well. And the story went viral. viral. It had over 14 million clicks on the video. And so it's in all these major newspapers, this story about this young lady who invited her friends and none of the friends showed up and then how the boyfriend salvaged the party. And some of the comments said something pretty incredible. One comment that really stood out said this, you just gained a thousand plus more friends. But part of me would wonder is like, why would someone do that? Why say something you don't intend to do? And then I thought about, you know what, that's just a part of our culture. Not everybody's culture, but how many times have you heard someone say, hey, call me sometime? And their intent is not for you to call them. Stop by my house sometime. And if you were to actually stop by their house, they would probably ask you, what are you doing here? All too often we say things we really don't mean. But what's very important about this thing of broken promises is that we have a God of promises who doesn't do that. The God of promises doesn't do that. 
The God of promise, he makes promises to individuals. He made promises way back to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. And he kept that promise. Depending on how you define it, the Jewish nation, through that, came David, became a great nation. Through that became Jesus, who gave us Christianity. And if you're even beyond just a Christian bubble and you just want to look at the religions that identify themselves with Abraham, then you're talking about Islam and some of the other religions too. And you're talking about half the planet attribute their origins to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. But he didn't make a promise to just Abraham. He made a promise to David. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. Selah. I just like saying that. Isn't that kind of a very cool word? When I was growing up, you had stuff like when something was really cool, you would say word. Hey, you like that candle? Word. So I figured I would just adopt Selah. So, you know, how, how did you enjoy the service? You guys can just be like, Selah. Very cool. Just a very cool word. But I have made a covenant with my chosen. He said, I was swore to establish your throne forever. And through that, Jesus comes and God keeps his promise. It's interesting. He also makes a promise to nations. He says to Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone, I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountain of Israel. He also says in Isaiah, who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day, a nation be brought, into for, be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. And Israel and the Jewish people ascribe this to as when Israel became a state, its own state in 1948. Within a matter of a sign of a pen, they became their own nation and was recreated, fulfilling the prophecy. God is a God of promises. And why does God is such a God of promises? Because promises are only good as the person making them. Promises are never about words. We can always say words. Words are cheap. Promises are only good as the character of the person who makes them. And what greater character is there than God who says in the scriptures of God, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And we know the answer to that. God keeps all of his promises. When God speak it, it will come to pass. God is a God of promise. But why is that so important? Why is it so important that God be a God of promise? And how is that connected, connected to birthright? Because birthrights are a form of a promise. Birthrights are a form of a promise. We don't really talk about it so much today in our culture within the U.S. But when you're talking about ancient times, when you're talking about medieval times, when you're talking about even royalty, 
uh, when you talk about royal uh, families such as Prince Williams and all those things, birthright becomes significantly important. And that's because birthright, as defined by Oxford's dictionary, a thing that somebody has a right to because of their family or country they were born in, and I would say or born again in, or because it is a basic right of all humans. Because of your family or because the nation you're born in, you're entitled to certain rights. So for the believer who's coming into the kingdom of God, as part of the kingdom of God and as part of being born again into the family of God, we're entitled to certain rights. But to really understand that, we have to understand God's big story, which can be drawn out in four phases, as many theologians have done. There are four phases to really understanding the story of God, or if you just want to uh, summarize the entire gospel story, there is creation. God in the beginning created heaven and earth. He created human beings. He created them in his likeness and image. It's the first time God creates in his likeness and image. God created angels. He created the heavens. He created the earth. But then he does this thing and he says, Let's make man in our image, in our likeness. God procreates. God wants a family. God creates his own family. His family is disobedient. And so then we have the fall. And because of that, sin enters the world. Sin enters the world. Man now has to work. There's uh, pain in childbearing. All these things, curses handed down. But basically what we did is we gave away our birthright. God gave us dominion over all the planet. And when Jesus is tempted in the desert, Satan says to Jesus, hey, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth because they have been given to me. Who were they given to him by? Adam and Eve when they disobeyed in the garden. They relinquished their rights as the children of God. So then we have redemption, of course, when Jesus Christ comes and he dies for us and restoration, the second coming of Jesus. But even in the garden, God loved us so much that he made this promise right after the fall when God was handing down curses. He made a promise to mankind. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The King James uses the word seed. I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. Here's something very interesting. Women don't have seed. Now, if you're young and you're not quite getting that, I'm going to leave that as a parent-child discussion. Sorry to put that on your parents, but that's not this lecture. That's not this sermon. So, um, <laughs> Between her seed and your seed, women don't have seed. And to make a point of this, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. And starting at verse 4, if you have it, are you reasonably close? Say amen. All right, so the word says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Remember that promise earlier that God said he would make a promise to David that it will always stay in your line and be established forever. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
And uh, just so a side note, just so you know, that in that culture that people were betrothed to be married, it's not like our culture today. So when you read that, um, before they were young, before they were age of married, they would have been betrothed to one another saying, hey, this child is promised to this child and they're going to be husband and wife. And at that point, they were considered married. So for Mary to be found with child before the marriage is actually consummated is a huge deal. So who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Showing you the fulfillment of what God said. I will establish her seed. If you read in Matthew, at the very first chapter of Matthew and genealogy, it is always the father beget the son, the father beget the son, and so and so beget, and so and so beget, because that's the way the seed works. Bob is the son of John. John begets so and so, who is the son of John, who begets so and so, and so and so, and so, and that's the way the process works. It would never include the name of the mother, but here you see God is fulfilling his promise by saying it's going to be her seed. This child is not of human origin. This child is from the Lord himself. But then we go to Matthew chapter 1. And if you're having your Bibles close, uh, we're going to see that the promise is fulfilled. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, again, after Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, it says this. But after he had considered this, putting his wife away quietly, divorcing her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill when the Lord has said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God fulfills his promises. When God says it, he's going to do it. Because God is honorable, because God is just, because God is loving. And he's a person, he's not a man that he should lie, and he keeps his word. So what does that mean for us? Jesus come, God keeps his promises to give us an opportunity to be reconciled with God, to be redeemed by God. It means this, Christ for the new believer is the ultimate birthright. Christ is the ultimate birthright. It's not treasure, it's not gold, it's not all the other promises. Christ is the ultimate birthright. It says this in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, that's in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. We become part of the family of God because what Jesus has done for us. There's no other way to the Father but through Christ. But through Christ. And so at this time, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. 
And here's what I want you to think about. There are some questions in your bulletin. Because with all the promises that God offers, I want you to think about what has God promised you? What has God said to you? What has God spoken to you? What has God asked you to do? What has God trusted you to say, trust me in this and lean not to your own understanding. Just follow through with what I've asked you to do. Just trust me in this because I am a God that has never failed you yet. And are you willing to step out in faith and trust God for what he's asking you to do? Because God's faithfulness has always been great towards us. And he always has a promise that we can stand on. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to just come to be chosen through your son. Lord, that we can be adopted to sonship because of what Jesus has done for us. And Lord, even when we failed you, when Adam and Eve, our great paternal and maternal parents failed, even then, Lord, you said that, you know what, I'm not going to let this just go by the wayside. I'm going to establish a promise. I'm going to decide something now. I'm going to set up a way of escape a way of reconciliation, a way of redemption, a way of restoration. We thank you for it. Lord, if we lack the faith to trust you to do what you have called us to do, Lord, then help our unbelief, Lord, and increase our faith so that we can completely rely on you in the work of your son, Jesus Christ. His holy name we pray. Amen.